0: Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking.
1: i gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking.
2: Tell me who can you trust when Texas hides all that Texas Texas hides.
0: Hi, this is John Legend. You're listening to the Tribcast. I'm here to talk about mass incarceration and how to reform our justice system. Here's your host, Emily Renshaw.
3: Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the third week of April. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Reeve Hamilton.
2: Oh, that, is that, was that what you were planning for me the whole time? Hey, Elise.
3: Executive <laughs> Editor Ross Ramsey.
1: I'll just watch the divorce
2: proceedings here.
3: <laughs> and Reporter Morgan Smith. Hello there.
2: I'd let the Dallas Morning News have you back for like a buck. Just a buck. A buck.
3: All right. This is going to work out well.
2: Wow.
3: Um, Morgan, let's start with the big news that was to speaking be speaking of week. a buck. Speaking <laughs> of a buck, the big news this week that that was no longer big news, uh, and that's the fight over open carry in the House. It was supposed to come up, and then
0: what happened? It was derailed by a computer glitch. Um, a, a Democrat, Trey Martinez Fisher, called a point of order on this bill. That ended up being sustained and delaying it from um, from coming up on the floor. But this was a computer glitch that had misregistered witnesses uh, during the committee hearings. It was something that affected 125 other bills. Any other big bills in that 125? um, There was HB 40, which was a fracking bill.
2: uh, Arby's,
1: Denton fracking bill, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and so, but it was used for um, for this. I think primarily it was sought after because of an attempt to delay this open carry bill. But um, in all likelihood, it's going to be back up on the floor on Friday. It's not really? as if
2: open carry is derailed permanently or fracking Reform is No, Trey right.
3: Martinez Fisher just ruined our Friday. If they couldn't, right. they couldn't <laughs> ruin open carry by thumping
1: Pancho Navarro's <laughs> in the chest. They're not going to mess it up with him. I, I wonder. Yeah. If he has right? a
3: whole stack of points of order well, on this, this the, that he's uh, like, and, here it's right. Friday, somebody and here's Friday. Somebody
2: referred to Trey as the
1: prince, prince of, of poo. poo. Yeah.
2: Which I thought. You know, Trey's been called worse probably today, but (laughs) I thought pretty
3: good, though. Morgan would like to clarify the acronym. Points points of order. (laughs) Yeah, right, which are these technicalities that can derail (laughs) legislation. But, you know,
1: hey, if we can act like eight-year-olds, let's go for it.
3: (laughs) So let's say we go through all these points of order, and, you know, at the end of the day, this measure comes up. Is open carry a done deal in the House?
0: Well, more than half of uh, lawmakers in the House have signed on as co-sponsors, so it has the votes to pass. Um, So if it is indeed going to be derailed it would have to be done through delay uh and then or possibly behind the scenes and the but governor
2: has said that he will enthusiastically sign this bill that's right so passes the house there's not going to be a material difference between the house bill and the senate bill that's going to need to be well the
1: senate you know a majority of senators have signed on to concealed carry on campus open well let, but let's let's, let's, right. let's yeah. come yeah. back yeah. I'm, let, I'm just yeah. saying when you're rating the odds of open carry but i'm asked i'm
2: asking there. in the in the case of for instance the budget there's a Series right. of things that have to be hammered out in, in in conference. On open carry, there's not really anything that has to be ha- hammered out?
0: I mean, I think that in the House, you're going to see a lot. Um, you know, you, you might have a chance of amendments dealing with, um, you know, whether or not the state accepts out of state uh, licenses. Reciprocity. Reciprocity in Texas, you could see amendments trying to close that, saying no, we only want people who can go through our process to get that. But I think in all likelihood, um, anything that's different with the Senate is not going to survive. I think it's going to be the Senate right. that's controlling the so process. Abs- Abbott yeah. right.
1: So Abbott signs, right? They don't have they don't have mental health checks in any of these, do they? Uh,
0: they do have. Men- you do have to um, you do have to s- to sign an affidavit or go through some kind of uh, background check, uh, both criminal and mental health, to get a CHL. I mean, what's really interesting to me about open carry legislation is that the the
3: sort of party line on this is that, you know, we're, Texas is one of, what, five, six, six, six. states yeah. that don't allow open carry. But Morgan had a really great story, you know, a couple weeks back looking at how many, um, basically like the, the country's major urban areas that account for sort of the most people nationally right. are all in states that don't allow open carry. Uh, right?
0: I mean, yeah, right, that's right. right. And then also, if you look at a, a lot of the states that do allow open carry, they have much more restrictive. Uh, they have much more restrictive gun purchasing laws they have more restrictive uh, licensing processes and um, you know in some instances while it's technically legal the control over licenses is held by the local sheriff who will never who basically never gives them out or you have to have really demonstrated a need like you know your ex-husband is stalking you or something like that in order to get an open leaving carry Leaving your stuff license. on the lawn. Right.
2: <laughs> for instance, <laughs> right. just saying. So, so to Ross's point about campus carry, this is really the interesting pivot then from open carry. So, House has now going to consider open carry. It's assumed it will pass. Right um, after the Senate passed it, kind of like blink of an eye. Among Senate also bills out of it. Sample, out of there. Senate also passed campus carry blink of an eye. And in fact, I believe nineteen of the twenty Republican senators were co-authors or co-sponsors yeah. of that campus carry bill. So it was for a foregone conclusion that the votes would be there. There's a lot of kind of smoke in the air suggesting that maybe, kind of, sort of Campus Carry doesn't have the same support in the House or the enthusiasm to get the bill onto the floor where it might well pass may not be there.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's maybe kind of, sort of. I think it's that there's definitely not the same urgency in the House to consider that legislation. But, but,
2: but, to, but to be precise, the votes are—if pr- you just did an upper number right. vote on the 150, the votes are probably there. But, right. if you put it but on the, the floor mechanism gonna, right. is to get it to the floor is the right. question. There, right. are, there right.
1: are times when you get a piece of legislation that if you put this on the floor, everybody's going to vote for it, or many people are going to vote for it out there in and, and Or that oh, politically it lie. would
2: be untenable for them not to vote yeah. for right.
3: it. Right,
0: right.
2: And, and, but they would rather not vote.
3: Well and has it moved right. through
0: so, so the house the whether it gets to the floor. Has it moved and through it house committees at all? It, it it has gotten out it has gotten out of the house committee but it has yet to come to has the floor. It is yet to come to the floor. Yeah. So, so a, yeah. Hello, yeah. Calendars. It's it's in, hello calendars. It's hello calendars, Yeah, right. exactly. And, and who is
2: the chair of calendars? Todd Hunter. Todd Hunter. Todd Hunter. Yeah. Um another interesting aspect of the campus carry issue different from open carry is unless I'm mistaken Greg Abbott has put his flag down on open carry I don't believe Greg Abbott mentioned campus carry in his State of the State. I, I think he only mentioned open carry. And I don't think that Greg Abbott has made campus carry a priority the way he's made open carry a priority.
0: So, yeah, certainly not in the way that he's made open carry a priority. But um, he has said that, that, he would, that he's in favor of allowing it. But I guess it's, it's, it's it. one yeah. thing
2: to, to be enthusiastic. I mean, again, I, Ross right. is right now on his phone checking fact-checking me. Yeah. Good. I'm reasonably sure this is true because I remember thinking at the time— he specifically called out open carry in his state of the state. Yeah. My recollection is he didn't mention campus carry. And I thought it was an odd omission given the fact that that he really, I would have assumed, would have been f- kind of for this in the way he was for open carry. He's, he's for campus carry on his website. And right,
3: that but is the authoritative thing, but it's source. Thing to, it's one thing <laughs> to
2: passively be for something by listing it as an issue that you support. It's another thing to advocate for it. You know, Greg Abbott advocated for pre-K this year, and pre-K is moving. If a
1: governor puts on his website that he's for something, that's advocate, advocacy.
2: I, I disagree with you in this respect. I think that you have the power of the pulpit. You have the power of key speeches, and you have the power of public advocacy. Passive advocacy is not the same as being out there saying, these are the things I really care about, thump, 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 which he has done notably and noticeably with Open Carry and i would submit to you he has not done to the same degree or at all with campus.
3: Well one thing they all agree about uh, on is getting a budget out of both chambers that they agree on we because there were no fireworks in the house on open carry this week we basically moved across the hall to the very ho hum debate on the budget in the senate um, you know Ross first of all there're no amendments ever to on the senate floor is that why it was so low key on, right, they don't on amend the right the,
1: they don't amend the thing on the floor they at this Stage of the game, the houses are sending their budgets to conference committee, and so when they vote for the budget in the House and the Senate at this point, it's basically to move it along and to try to send hints and signals to the conference committee.
3: Well, so know. why does the House send so, so many hints and signals so, and so not the House budget, does it by putting Senate.
1: a bunch of stuff in Article Eleven, kind of the cemetery at the ed- end of the budget. You know that you know your idea isn't necessarily in the budget, but it's on the w- wish list, and sometimes things come off of that wish list and appear in the budget. You know, once they're in Article eleven they're eligible for the conference committee to talk about. The Senate does it a little bit differently. They have some Article eleven things, but they also basically say, you know, you saw a couple of moments during the conversation. I don't want to call it even a debate. During the conversation in the Senate A love
3: fest. I really wish
1: this bill had something that said blah blah blah. You know, and that's sort of telling the conferees when you come back from my vote in May I'm going to be looking for this.
3: But is someone there sitting taking notes on each thing that the senators say they really wish was in there? Well, you know,
1: yeah. I, you know, I mean, you know, they're counting noses all the time. How many mm-hmm. votes do I need? You can, you can bet in the Senate that you're going to have some number of no votes on the budget. Jane Nelson, the head of the Finance Committee, started her first session voting no on the budget. I mean, this is a long tradition. (laughs) Right. So you know they'll you know Dan Patrick voted against the budget last time. Um,
2: We had one no vote this time. Right. Well,
1: but at this stage, I think in the May vote you'll have more different potentially more no votes. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, On what basis?
1: Well, I mean, they'll say, you know, back in – you'll remember back when in early April when we were moving this bill along. I said I wanted I stood wanted up and X, said y, I Z. needed – yeah. It's right. not people in here.
0: still hopeful they can right. it's not be in, able to, to get provisionally what they are voting in.
2: yes, hoping the things that they want to get in or get out in conference get in or get the out. Vote, yeah. The
1: vote on the early budgets is a process vote and not a budget vote. Mm-hmm. Well, what so, – So they're moving it along. So this thing goes to conference committee. The really significant thing inside the Capitol is going to be when the Senate names its five conferees. The House names its five conferees. Right, we, then you know. see who's, who's going driving to battle. The car. We see how it's going to go. We see side by sides of the budget. These are detailed. You want, Houses, to, pr- you is, want to predict the, the? You want out. to predict the conferees on the Senate side? Um, I would say Nelson, Hinojosa, um, Larry Taylor, Charles Schwertner, player to be named.
3: You heard it here first.
1: And <laughs> yeah, and House side, you know, probably Otto Turner, maybe Sarah Davis, um, education, uh,
3: uh,
0: JDA, ACOC. Acock, or Huberty, oh, or um, Huberty, right? Um,
1: um,
0: Trent Ashby's the Article Three.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably, you know, the the conference committee experience probably leans toward the Senate side this time, uh, but it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you what, what do you mean by that? I mean, they have more experience in conference right. committee. You right. Know, this is a this is a close negotiation. But, ten people sit down. You got to have a majority of votes from each house. So the worst you could do is have a six to four vote coming out of conference. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's usually a non, It's usually unanimous or close.
2: Look, this is this is the point. This may I just have uh, ten sh- seconds? Uh, only ten. I, I, I'm lying already. It's not going to be just ten. Eight. Seconds. This is the point. This <laughs> is the point at which we now ask ourselves whether predictions that House versus Senate tension at the beginning of the session were overblown. And I think the answer is it turns out they were not overblown because the budget is one of a number of things that have emerged over the last couple of weeks in which there is genuinely a disagreement between the House and the Senate, either in process or in substance. I think it's fairly small. So, so really, so you think the difference in the, in the, the taxes is you would call big or small? I'm in the well, taxes isn't in the budget. That's but, not right. in the conference committee. But I'm talking about taxes overall, would... I'm talking about the portfolio of issues in which the House and the Senate are not in sync. Here are the
3: the biggest issues in which the House and Senate are not in sync. There's a, about a four billion dollar difference in public education spending. About a, a three hundred million dollar difference in border security. Right. The Racing Commission, the Senate zeroes out, the House doesn't. Film incentives, the House goes quite a bit farther than the Senate. I would say other tri- than that well, public tri- ed tr- thing and the border security thing, they're not huge well, hold, differences.
2: I would agree with you, but add a couple of additional things into that bucket. You're the such fa- a fight promoter. I am a fight promoter. <laughs> Here we go. The fact that the transportation uh, funding mechanism relies on vehicle sales tax in the Senate and sales taxes in the House, Pickett and Nichols tried to poo-poo the differences to me the other day. I don't think they're insignificant, especially at a time when Dennis Bond is trying to cut sales taxes. But
3: you're talking about taxes. Di-
2: but I'm talking about overall. There are other issues. In-state tuition, but, but- sanctuary cities... Potentially campus carry. Are, none they're, of those
3: are in the budget. But, but, I guess, but I'm
2: i making a larger point. The larger point right. is that House versus Senate tension is not limited to and was not predicted to be limited to the budget. And in mm-hmm. the end, there are meaningful differences between the House and Senate on key issues. Oh, sure. I,
1: I don't no disagree with that, that. But one of the jobs you have if you're on a conference committee, particularly on the budget, is this is the stuff we're going to worry about. And that's the stuff for somebody else to worry about. And they're going to go in there and say, OK, we're not going to have a tax fight in here. Mm-hmm tax fight's going to be over there. We're going to settle the budget differences. And I think these are are relatively small, and I don't think you're going to see the House and the Senate fight manifest itself in the budget because the differences really aren't that great when you sort of get down. There's a lot of method difference and not a lot, when you get down to it, a lot of um, dollar difference. And because um, they want a budget. Nobody wins if there's not a budget. There was this this theme at the beginning of the session that because – Strauss and Patrick were so different, and Abbott was so experienced that we were going to have a special session on the budget discuss. And I, I never thought that was right well, because it's really it doesn't, not going to be mm-hmm. the case based on what we see. It doesn't so far. benefit well, anybody April. to get out of the session without a budget
2: in hand. It makes it's a failure for right. all three of. Them. All right. So my. my Question to you, since I'm a, a simpleton, is this: <laughs> what, You have said now, and Kevin Eltife said last week, and the two of you are probably smarter. Right, you about and Eltife, yeah, right? Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the journalistic equivalent of a rhino? You're a gino? Is that what you are? <laughs> oh
3: <my> God, <laughs> Evan!
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, the problem with you guys is I say stuff that is not stuff that you just make everything I mean, out to be worse like than it is. You're making
3: gynecological no, references. <laughs> on the
2: trim gas. He wasn't until then. Wow. It wasn't until you just said it.
3: Oh please, Morgan, and <laughs> are is, are like, I see you like about to die. Why is the tax
2: fight not the budget fight? Why are they not the same thing? Because the tax fight is related to the budget fight in the sense that Ish. how the tax fight is des- is resolved affects the amount of money available. To the, to the budget and the spending the, cap question, which only, is related the only, to bu- – I, I think of them as all
1: in the same category. The only real tax question in the budget is whether you go with the Senate's property tax relief, which requires the state to write a check to right. local school districts and, and thus involves spending. If you go with right. any of the House things or with the only thing that they kind of agree on, which is the business franchise tax cut – Those are reductions in revenue Revenue. but not increases in spending, and so they don't have to be solved by this committee. So that's not a budget fight, though? Second thing, no, not really, because the conference committee is going to wait and see how the tax fight is solved and then fold that resolution into their budget. The The budget will be settled after the tax fight.
3: Can we talk about? I mean, I want to ask about the spending cap. You know, last week Dan Patrick basically claimed like victory on tightening the state's consti- constitutional cap on spending. It's a fake um, Senate Bill Nine. So, Eric Greeter yeah. said, "Come at me, bro." Right. So, <laughs> was response. that bill really a win? Is that really what he wanted?
1: It's a political win, I guess. If, if you know, um, if you're trying to save face, what actually happened was the Senate wanted to get a constitution, change the constitutional cap, limiting growth in spending to something close to growth in the economy and they didn't have the votes to get a constitutional amendment so they turned it into a statutory change which means they'll put it into law it won't be in the constitution and it basically says you know we have another spending cap it becomes the fourth spending cap in texas law if it passes and i don't think it's going anywhere in the house i mean you know the there's uh, all otto said about it the house appropriations chairman was you know i think if you're going to Effectively change the spending cap. You need to change it in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. The Senate didn't do that. They got a they got a face-saving vote out of the Senate that really doesn't change state policy.
3: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we had a, a big news obviously out of the Hillary Clinton campaign this week, and I think you know the the general thinking is what well, was the
2: big news that she likes chicken burrito bowls. Is that, that, that she the likes news? chicken
3: burrito bowls, and that she and she has
2: that weird weird logo.
3: That logo is terrible. You, you guys what stop you're, with you're the logo. A logo guy i mean you
2: who gives a crap about her logo
3: everybody really so if included. she had a great
2: logo but shitty policies it's, you'd be good it's with it
3: an h with a giant you know red republican red arrow pointing to the right it's like the the worst possible branding what they say about us is
2: true. We talk about logos. I it's mean, a
3: subliminal message. It That's is. It's going is to a Republican
2: sub- votes. What is the subliminal <laughs> message? Well, here's so know, campaign's going s- to swipe to the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to start talking about elections 18 months before the elections, you got to. You know, if you're you're you gonna
2: listen to her speech about... backwards, you hear up yours, Bernie we Sanders. We can talk about how her van is
3: called Call Scooby. Yes, and all the reporters are chasing the Scooby van. Really. Anyway, that was not necessarily. I think the Chipotle thing is legitimate, not the logo. It's that's because you like Chipotle. Well,
2: it's because I'll eat at Chipotle.
3: Yeah, <laughs> one of like two places you'll eat. It's because every- Las
2: Manitas closed. So that's a whole podcast in and of itself.
3: Anyway, how much time, if any, do we expect Hillary to spend here? And and what uh, you know, Abby had, Livingston, our D.C. bureau have had a pretty good story about what Hillary can can. Just
2: a pretty good story. No.
3: Well, I edited. it. I think it was excellent. Uh, you know, a, a good story about that's your you know shit
2: talking. Abby story. There for a second, I couldn't <laughs> tell.
3: No, I was downplaying it since I got to work on it. Right. Uh, anyway, what's Hillary's motivation to be in Texas at all? Money,
2: money, 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 money. Well well so the T N A T M stands for Texas. We've known this for some time. People come here to withdraw, you know, enormous funds from political donors and it's easy to do. March first is the Texas primary next year. This the Democratic side, you know, spoilers she's gonna be the nominee barring something unforeseen. On the Republican side the race is completely up in the air. It is entirely possible that you'll have different winners in Iowa New Hampshire and South Carolina, for instance. Do you think Battleground you h-
1: Texas will move to Washington?
2: <laughs> Since so they su- moved to Fort Worth last r- time, right. track record was so <laughs> successful the last time. Um, th- Texas is actually going to matter, and and Texas is in play in a way that maybe it hasn't been in play for a long time. It's in play when in in the Republican primary. I think there, I think oh. it's go- it's going to have it's going to have earlier a,
3: primary here than you know.
2: Yeah, it's going to have a big impact on the resolution of the Republican race unless something material changes between now and then and the race clarifies as it did in 99 for instance in advance of 2000 where george w bush was the nominal front runner and was expected to be the nominee and all that kind of stuff this time there really is not a nominal front runner and it's not clear that any of the five people who grew up in texas is going to be the nominee from texas or the texas republicans will support that person it's possible not 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 that, that they might not we just don't know what's going to happen. And so Texas plays an important role for different reasons for the Republicans and the Democrats. For the Republicans, it's about fundraising. And for the Republicans, it's about trying to get votes that may be crucial at a key moment during that process. Because maybe they're two thousand. For the
3: Democrats, it's just about fundraising. Well, the Democrats'
2: side, <laughs> it's about fundraising. And, of course, it's about setting the table for a longer-term deal. You know, when the Davis campaign began to go south during 2014, what you heard was quietly from some people, but really this is about Hillary. We're building the infrastructure that's going to allow Hillary to be competitive.
3: I mean, are they thinking that Hillary can help, like, resuscitate you know, Democratic farm teams across well, Texas? Well,
2: so, so, po- possibly, and Hillary would help drive up Democratic turnout in Democratic strongholds. Look, if Bill Clinton was the first Black president, Hillary Clinton would be the first Hispanic president in the eyes of some, right? The Clintons' long relationship with the Latino community. It, uh, she can go down to San Antonio, go down to the Valley, go out to El Paso. Talk to uh, potential Latino uh, voters, people who are eligible but may not have turned out in previous elections. She may gin up. Who is happy that she is on the ticket regardless of whether she makes Texas competitive? For instance, Pete Gallego. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Lil Solly if he runs against Blake Farenthold for the congressional mm-hmm. district in Corpus Christi. Um, races in which the Democrats think they have a shot. Is right. I
1: that, I mean, is, that, is that the rapper name for Solomon Ortiz Jr.? Lil Solly. Lil so- Solly, so- 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 right, yeah.
3: Because, you know, 2008 was really, uh, uh, I mean, Texas was basically the one bright spot for Hillary. Right, she won she, it in 2008. She won it in
2: 2008. Right. So um, when Kasim Reed, the mayor of Atlanta, was here for the Tribune Festival last year, he pointed out correctly that the state with the smallest margin of victory for Romney was, of course, North Carolina, which Obama had won in uh, 08, Romney won in 12, but the state with the second smallest margin for Romney was actually Georgia. Hmm. Kasim Reid's point to me was, Georgia may go Democratic, turn blue, faster than Texas. So I'm not sure that Texas is legitimately competitive for Hillary Clinton in in 2016. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd suggest to you, it probably most assuredly is not. But that doesn't mean that she won't spend time here. It doesn't mean that she won't raise money here. It doesn't mean that she won't try to activate the activists. And the, and the upshot of Hillary being on the ticket may be – remember the old line? It's a, it may just be one of these stories that has been told, is not fact checked. John Sharp in 1999 uh, and two thousand uh, 2001 was, was going to run for lieutenant governor against Dewhurst in 2002. And he was looking for a Latino candidate to be the candidate for governor. And the story, as it's been told, as he said to Henry Cisneros, Henry, um, you ought to run for governor. I'm going to run for lieutenant governor. You ought to run for governor. And Henry said to John Sharp, as the story has been told. Well, yeah, one version mm-hmm. of yeah, this story guy was, oh, really, do you think I could win? And Sharp's response was, no, but I could. And the idea was that by having a Latino at the top of the ticket, all of the Latinos would turn out. And vote Democratic, and that it would ultimately and help so Hillary at the right. top of the ticket. Well, 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 on, well on some, well, some on the guy, levels, actually, <laughs> yeah. yes. The, the, the guy, right? the
1: guy he got was named um, Tony Sanchez, Tony Sanchez mm-hmm. Jr. Right? It didn't work
2: out so yeah, well, but, but of course, but John so well. Sharp's margin of defeat in 02 was larger than his margin of defeat in '98. But smaller than, but smaller than anybody else's. I lost better than you did. Well, <laughs> my, but the point on this is Hillary could play that Tony Sanchez or Henry Cisneros role at the top of the ticket. In that she may not win. But people south of her, by virtue of her being at the top of the ticket and greater than normal turnout among Democrats who are more activated than n- normal, that could conceivably help in close races or in places where I, the Democrats. Need I think turnout.
1: the mo- the more interesting trickle down in the next election cycle is going to be depending on which Republicans you get back in the presidential contest. If Texas is still in play, yeah. I assume it will be in the primaries then you get a bunch of texas voters showing up for this candidate or that candidate you know say a jeb bush or a ted cruz or a rick perry or you know, whatever right. and that's going to have a lot of influence on how primaries go in the texas house the texas senate and texas congressional Correct. races right. because that's true. because yeah. you're going to get this kind of republican and that kind of republican all ginned up about their presidential candidate people showing up who might not otherwise show up i, I think that's really And if turn you have an and, and, and
2: one yeah. that's a really so, smart so if point I, so i yeah. so if
1: i'm a moderate republican God forbid anybody should call me a moderate Republican. You know, but if <laughs> somebody called know, you a giant, well, it can yeah, only be yeah. a yeah. no, hill Moderate has become such a dirty word in that party. But you yeah. know, the the if I'm if I'm not from the Tea Party and not from the very 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 conservative wing of the Republican Party, you're worried. Every no, I'm not worried. I want that I presidential race, race to come in <laughs> because because people will show up. For a contest, who don't show up? Who aren't the diehards? Here's the flip side I of it. I already know I'm losing with with the current turnout. Let's change right. the turnout and see how it goes. The I go. flip
2: yeah. side of it is who turns out in Republican primaries the most activist uh, right. activists. That's true the grassroots only. Guys. That's, and in, that's and
1: true only in non-competitive primaries.
2: Except, uh, my, I think you have to ask yourself. I would ask, without necessarily knowing the answer, is a moderate to moderate conservative Republican likely to find a lot of traction in the Republican primary in Texas. So is Jeb Bush or Chris Christie likely to turn out a lot of people in Texas, or are you more likely going to have the Ted Cruz, Rand Paul? If
1: Bush is running, if Bush is still politically alive when this thing gets to Texas, don't you think we're going to see every single leaf on that family tree, you know, running around here in March, you know, Here's George P. and here's George exactly. W. and here's Barbara and here's Barbara Junior. and here's Jeb. You know. But
2: how successful? But 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 I got to ask this question. I don't know. George W. Bush gets through a Republican primary running today in Texas. I mean, I, I know is it, are the is the Bush apparatus turnout's turn going to go up? Is the right. Bush apparatus marshaled on behalf of Jeb a plus for Jeb in Texas
1: or not? Well, you know, I think in a year Didn't they're going to make that. K. They're going to be running polls to check that question, and well, it's sure. like,
3: yeah. We were talking about, a second ago about Latinos on the ticket. What does Hillary mean for you know Castro squared in Texas? What does it mean for Julian or Joaquin? I mean, are is it there? I a- think you
2: have to consider them, one of them, to be in the mix as a potential. Veep. As I think you have to consider that possibility, don't you?
1: Yeah, that you know that's. Um, I, you know, I, that that's one of the leading, I'd say that's one of the leading candidates, and it's one of the earliest races for Veep. You know, we we've always run, or we've gotten where we run presidential races for three years. and Now we're starting running Veep stakes for, yeah. for two years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I think Castro's probably right. the leader in it. And you get an interesting setup. Which
3: Castro? In,
1: I think the well, yeah. housing. Yeah. I think the secretary. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah.
2: Look, look uh, Marco Rubio. I thought Marco Rubio's announcement speech earlier this week was really good. It Wait, was he good. announced this his, week? I thought. I thought, I thought his, his whole, whole rollout. Was I really thought it was good. really good. Um, And the thing that he said that I thought was so interesting as it related to Clinton but also answers to some degree your question of of whether the cash was in play, he said yesterday's over and it's not coming back. He's taking on in that statement, not by name but by implication, both Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush, that they're both candidates of yesterday and he, Marco Rubio, is a candidate of tomorrow. Hillary Clinton may need to mitigate – may want to mitigate the charge against her that she's yesterday's news by – by having a tomorrow VP. And who's more tomorrow right now in the, in the Democratic Party nationally mm-hmm. than one or the other of the Castros? Uh, if you assume that uh, she is looking to offset her strengths with strengths on the opposite end of the spectrum, she is old, white, female, focused on foreign policy, and has legislative experience. He is young, Latino, male, um, is focused on domestic policy, and has executive experience. Right. In some ways, he is the perfect half of her whole. Now, the knock on him when he was mayor of San Antonio was that, you know, the old Paul Begala line, he's lighter than my grandmother's biscuits, that his accomplishments were not actually (laughs) he's not not his accomplishments were not actually. I don't think it's fair necessarily, but that his accomplishments were not actually substantive enough to make him. Given the kind of gravitas and have to be vice president, but the Sarah Palin standard has really obliterated the Some, need to get Henry Clay
1: on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Somebody in San Antonio City Hall is probably wondering why they have all these open records requests from Alexandria. <laughs> <procedure> right <now. laughs> yeah, right. <exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's well,
3: true. we just have a few minutes left, and I want um, Morgan to take us through where we stand currently on on the fight over school vouchers. Evan was talking about areas where the Senate is going to be, you know, not right. in agreement with the House, and this probably falls into one of those categories. Where what does the Senate want?
0: So the Senate has moved um, SB4 out of committee, um, and it's. I expect that it's going to come up uh, probably in the next week for debate on the floor. But I mean, I think right now the fight is going to be whether or not this proposal can be called a voucher or not, and whether or not it uh, triggers the kind of traditional opposition uh, that voucher proposals have have. Have gotten in Texas, and right right now, what we're seeing it's a, it's a tax credit, a state tax credit for businesses that will that contribute to scholarships for low income students to attend private schools. The people that say it's not a voucher say, hey, this money is not touching state coffers. This is not as if we're taking a percentage of a state per funding edu- per per student education funding and giving it directly to families. Um, on the other side, you have people say, "Hey, this is money that would otherwise be going to the state that we're taking, that we're giving, and it's going to go to a private school." So, um, I think that it's going to be a pretty fierce, it's going to be a pretty fierce battle. Um, that that gets into a lot of the details of that mm-hmm.
3: um, and and last session we saw the house make a move I believe it was with the budget to right. basically put some language in to ensure that there were no vouchers They had an opportunity to do that this time around and they didn't right
0: That's right there were and there was um, a setup and it, it was expected that the same a similar vote was going to happen and then you saw, all different kinds of little negotiations happening during the budget debate, um, including where Larry Taylor, the, who's now Senate Education Cha- Chairman, but you know spent a long time as a House lawmaker, come down um, and, and talk with, with talk with people. And I think, you know, that amendment was pulled down with. With what I perceive to be the intent um, to protect House members from having to take that vote, not necessarily any kind of change in sentiment. But just the idea that, you know, if it's going to die in the House, it's going to be more behind the scenes instead of, you know, forcing everyone to take this outright So, so do you vote think it's it. going to
2: die behind the scenes?
0: I would – I – Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. You know, they might I get do. this. I, I, I definitely I, do. I, yeah.
1: They have a chance at getting this tax credit thing. And and part of it is because that goes around the state. It doesn't involve state approval. It doesn't involve um, anything in the state budget. You know, this this idea that you would, you know, if a company wants to contribute to um, what amounts to a scholarship program, that they can do that and get a tax credit for it, it kind of goes around this. And, you know, they'll, they'll argue, voucher it's, voucher. you
0: know, it's just like any other kind of tax, you know, tax, state tax credit. That we've offered. It's not. Um, But I think that you don't see you do not see the groups that have opposed vouchers at all backing away from this just because it's a a tax credit instead of a direct. I mean, you still you still see people saying, you know, a voucher is a voucher is a voucher. Like, I don't care. And it's got to go through public education. That's right. right. And
2: ACOC is not a big fan
0: yeah, and you know he said that, and and he said that you know to even begin to have the conversation, there has to be some kind of accountability measure attached to right, it, right. and um, you know this bill, this SB four requires that these private schools be accredited, um, they administer some type of annual test, but it's still not what's required of public schools. You know the private schools, they're not. In, they're not at all held accountable to student performance on these tests in the way that public schools are so i think there's still a lot of questions especially on the accountability front that need to be worked through
1: this was always the texas eagle forum's objection to vouchers was that you know um, standards follow money and if you put any kind of taxpayer money into schools then you're going to have the state regulating private schools and church schools, and we can't have that. So we oppose. So it's vouchers. the exact that opposite always, argument of right. the
2: argument made by people who don't like vouchers, which is no accountability is going to follow those dollars. They say, watch that accountability yeah. well, is going to th- follow those dollars, and they don't like well, that.
1: Well, part of the reason that they're saying no accountability will follow is to try to assuage the exactly. people on the right that uh, didn't like that idea. Yeah.
3: All yeah. right. Well, if you'd like to hold us accountable, you can email questions or comments oh to tribcast at oh texastribune.org. <laughs> uh, you can now also sign up for Tribcast alerts at texastribune.org uh, forward slash Tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs, as always, for doing our music. And on behalf of Reeve, Ross, Morgan, and our producer, and Jacob... This is Emily. Thanks for listening.
0: This
1: is heli- here's the traffic report, the helicopter.
3: What line are you going to put on the, end? Oh, there's a line on the end? Oh, see, you should have been recording this whole time. You have to stick some quippy, funny line on the end.